We're continuing in John 15. So if you've got Bibles and you want to use them, then we're, we're going to be following on from where Steve left off last week, which is uh, reading from verse 12. But what I'd like to do is the subject I've got is actually the same as Steve spoke about last week. It's the subject, the all-embracing subject or the key word is abiding. Um, we were hearing last week about the abiding in the vine, about us being branches and the importance of that connection, that abiding. This is a continuation of it. So in order to follow on, I want to just recap a little bit, go back just a little bit into the last few verses that Steve read last week. So in chapter 15, that's John 15, and reading from verse 9, I just want to reread that again before we go on to the, new, the part that I'm looking at, which is from 12 to the end of the chapter. But I'd like to read 9 onwards just to get again the importance of the connection. Verse 9 reads, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. The connection or the all-embracing subject matter of abiding is what this is all about. It's number one, it's the source of love. The source of love is, we read in verse nine, is the father, so has the father has loved me. That's the source. That's number one. Number two is, I have also loved you, also in verse 9. And there you see the mediator, the giver, the sharer of the love, the person of Christ. Number three is to look at receiving with joy. And that is abide in my love. There you get the other, abide in my love. That's receiving it. Number four is how to abide, and that is to keep my commandments, and that's verse 10. That's how we, to abide in his love. And then fifth is the example of Christ, when he says, as I have kept my father's commandments. So here, He's the example, just as I have kept my father's commandments. That's how you need to do it. So it's the importance, of course, of focusing very much on the character, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see how it links in, so, and we're moving on a little bit, uh, because when we're talking about obedience, uh, the obedience to my commandments, that obedience does not create the Lord's love. 
the Lord's love was always there. It's disobedience hinders our enjoyment of it. So obedience gives a realization of it. Disobedience hinders the enjoyment of his love. So obedience leads to enjoyment. So let's just go on and read um, the rest of this chapter. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. How, however, now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what you do, if I had not done, done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without a reason. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. I think a lot of people look at that as being, well, that is reference to the Lord Jesus expressing his love in giving his life for his friends on the cross at Calvary. Except the difficulty maybe about that is that did the Lord Jesus Christ not in fact die for the world? Did he not die for all men, all mankind? Maybe it's an expression of the, the, the ultimate uh, expression of uh, human love. The greatest expression of that would be for a human, for one of us to give our lives for somebody that we loved. I think... Um, it probably doesn't matter which one you take. It's an expression of a depth of love. The Lord Jesus Christ showed his love to the ultimate extent. 
way beyond our understanding, really. We can maybe appreciate it to some degree by trying to imagine a situation where we might be asked to give up our life for somebody that we love. And could you do it? And who would you do it for? Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ did it for all mankind. Of course, because of the foreknowledge of God, you could still argue that the Lord Jesus did die for his friends because he knew those who would believe in him. They knew, he, he knew who were his. He knew who he was dying for. He knew who would reject him. So the, the picture here we have got of remaining uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ is bringing in the picture of love that he talks about us becoming or, or being elevated from servants to friends. Servants, of course, are those that are told what to do. And we read in uh, the epistles that there's, there were those who rejoiced in the fact that they were born servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's nothing wrong in that. And there is nothing um, demeaning about being a servant or a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a privilege. But there is also a sense here that the, the Lord Jesus is saying that he wants to elevate us to the position of being friends. It's because of his communication with the Father that he passes on to us. He was passing on to his disciples what he had heard from the Father. And of course, that was not something that happened to servants. Servants were just done what they were told. They did not uh, realize or appreciate what was going on behind the scenes or why they were maybe being asked to do things. And some people, we can follow the Lord Jesus in, a, in that sort of way, but by being given the word of God, by being given the truth, by being indwelt by the Holy Spirit who reveals these things to us, we are able to understand to a greater degree the mind of God revealed through the words of Christ and understood by us because of the indwelling Holy Spirit that we are then elevated to being his friends. And communication is greater. So rather than just being like a law, given where you've got to keep all these points, do what you're told, and live the best way you can, we are given an understanding. And this is where the love of God comes out, expressed through the love of Christ. And this is where bearing the fruit that Steve was talking about last week manifests itself in our lives by our understanding, because it's expressed in the fruit. We are asked to bear the excellencies of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Show forth his beauty, his glory, his excellence, his fruit. And we are being elevated to being friends and to being able to do that, being privileged to do that. Go forth. We are 
been chosen. In verse 16, I chose you. Why did he choose us? He chose us for service, for fruitfulness. That's what our purpose is. He chose us to bear fruit. So it's incumbent on us to make sure that we are doing that. It's incumbent on us to find out what Christ is like so that we can be seen to be bearing the fruit of the likeness of Christ, that we are living our lives like him, that we have been realizing that we are a privileged people. We have been chosen. We have been chosen what? Uh, we have been chosen to be partners. We have been chosen for service. He appointed us. The word appointed means placed, positioned. The reason, you know, you often maybe wonder, why was I born when I was? Why was I born where I was? Why have I been in Manchester or Stockport or living wherever I am? We are chosen in time. We are chosen by the foreknowledge of the Lord. We are appointed. We are placed. And we are being given the role of friends to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, to bear fruit that lasts. There's an, the lasting, it's an ongoing fruit. And I believe it lasts way into the future because the fruit bearing that we do now, the likeness of Christ, the understanding of his beauty, who he is. And this section in this scripture, when we think about the Lord Jesus getting down on his knees and washing the disciples' feet in all humility, was this one aspect of the character of Christ that he was able to say afterwards, you do the same thing. That was a, an obvious and very clear indication of what fruit bearing was about. I want you to be like me. I want you to do what I've done. I want you to do what the Father has revealed to me as a man. I want you to follow me. And I'm telling you these things, not so that you're a servant and you just be told, do what you're told. I want you to be a friend and to understand and to appreciate. In verse five of this chapter, it talks about us being members or uh, abiding in the vine and that's participating in his life and of course that's absolute essential first first base we have to be a member we have to abide we have to belong in order to participate in the life of christ that's the salvation aspect so all of us hopefully who are listening here have already done that. The decision to be connected to the vine, the decision to be a branch, the decision to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as a life giver, the one who died for us, the one who's given us eternal life, the one in whom we submit and accept our salvation through him. In verse 15, we are talking about friends and the friends that participate in his love. Because of the understanding and this elevation from servants, this elevation from just doing what you're told to being a participator, 
in his love. And that comes to a, a deep understanding of the love of Christ. If we don't understand the love of Christ, how can we love one another? I don't know whether you've ever asked yourself the question, and I'm sure you have. Um, you stop sometimes and you think, Is it, am I loving my fellow Christians, my fellow saints, the same way the Lord loves me? I don't know if any of us would ever say yes to that question. But that's, that's the goal. When we think about, and that's why we're being asked to consider and meditate on the love of Christ. Because it's imperative for us to understand that. Because how can we then live in his likeness? Live as his friends? And serve him in the way that he wants? And in verse 19, 20, and 21, it talks about being followers or disciples of the Lord Jesus, participating in his work. This is the role that we've got, and we're moving on. And the purpose of fruit bearing and, and the evidence of it is all there because this is why we have been called. Uh, this, is, this is us who are being asked and appointed to go and bear fruit, to go and show forth Christ to others. Being a disciple and a follower uh, necessitates opposition because it brings in the world. The world is anti-God. Satan is the prince of this world. The Lord said, we are not of this world. He's taken us out of this world. We now belong to him. And of course, the word world does not mean <laughs> that we are physically removed. Not yet, anyway. Uh, and it does not mean that we are not having to live in this world and to work in this world and to exist. But what it just means is this dwelling place of mankind that at the moment... Satan is the prince of, and we can see so much horror, so much depravity, so much sin. I don't know if many of you read the text yesterday. Uh, it was from Psalm 57, and it's so beautifully pertinent for our situation today, but it, it applies to any day. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. <laughs> we can look at the disaster being COVID-19, but actually you can look at it in a wider sphere. We can look at it, let's take refuge in the shadow of the wings of the Almighty whilst we're living in this world where Satan is a prince, where sin rules where there is so much fear and hatred and antagonism going on. This, we were chosen out of this world. And that's something I think that we've got to have constantly before us. And this is what the Lord is saying. In order to understand and appreciate his love, in order for us to be disciples, to follow him, 
then there's a necessity for separation. Separation can sometimes be used in a negative sense. And I can remember as a younger man, separation was used with a whole list of don't do this and don't do that. And you suddenly think life's kind of difficult in this world. We're separated away from lots of things that have enjoyment. But the picture really is to separate ourselves from the things of Satan, the things of sin, the things that do not produce the glory of God. To separate our things from things that are dying, things that don't matter, things that we will leave behind. The importance in our life is to be like Christ. The importance is to produce gold, silver, and precious stones that we will take with us, which is an understanding of him, because we are going to be one with him. And therefore, it's important for us to separate from sin, not to dabble in it, not to take little bits that affect us, that affect our enjoyment, as I said before, about obedience and understanding the love of God. It hinders it. It's if we've got too much of this world in our lives, if we are still steeped in the pleasures of this world, in things that are sinful, whether they're little sins in your eyes or mine or big ones, remove them, separate yourself from them, and you'll get a clearer picture of the person of Christ. We conform to his image. The Lord said that we would have um, difficulties because of his name. This world hates Christ. It was evident at the time when Christ was here, very evident that he had many times had to escape the hatred and the fear from the physical abuse that he was being subjected to. We live in a country where we don't come across that very often, but it's there and there is antagonism and we have to be alert to it, aware of it, and we shouldn't be frightened of it because as the Lord said, I've been there first. They did it to me. If you want to be mine, if you want to understand my love and my joy, and if you want to know the fruit of the Spirit, and if you want to be able to bear the fruit of the likeness of Christ, then there will be hardships, there will be trials, but I'll be with you. Because of my name, because of my character, because of the fruit I'm giving you to bear, therefore, you're going to have difficulties. I warn you now. And therefore, this result, this is going to be the cause. But he'll give us all that we need to bear that. Sin is always unbelief. That uh, verse I, I read in verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. So it's a little bit confusing, that verse. I, I was, when I was pondering on it, I wondered about <laughs> the best way of explaining it. Um, 
And I thought about, I'll, I'll give it a go. You can tell me later whether you think it helps or not. But um, if you have a, 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 a traffic situation where there's a little village with people living in it and children playing around it, and there's no rules, no law, nothing. And somebody comes along in their car and drives through it at 70 miles an hour. And uh, the police stop them and say, uh, we're going to punish you for driving at 70 miles an hour through that village because what you did was very selfish. What you did was very dangerous. What you did was willful. It was arrogant. It was selfish. It was uncaring. We're going to punish you. Second scenario is that there becomes a law and the law states that you'll only drive through that village at 30 miles an hour or less. But I still drive through it at 70 miles an hour and the police stop me and they say, we're going to punish you for breaking the law. And then the third scenario is that in the village, there's big signs up that say 30 miles an hour uh, respect our village, look out for children, there's crossings, and uh, beware, all signs, warning. And I still drive through at 70 mile an hour, and the police stop me. And they say, we're going to punish you, because you have no excuse. In all three of these situations, it was wrong. It was sinful. And it's a picture, I think, of what the Lord is painting here, is that we, are, we have sin. We're born in sin. And the law came to reveal that. And the Lord Jesus came to express his love and to come and die for us, to show the signs so that there is no excuse at all for sin. I hope that helps. <laughs> that... The sin is in us. The Lord Jesus Christ came and despite the law, despite all his revelations and his miracles and his teaching and his demeanor, people still said, I don't believe. Hopefully everybody that's listening believes in the Lord Jesus Christ believes that they're sinners and needs the salvation. They need a savior. And this is what the Lord was expressing, is that we need to realize our guiltiness of sin in order for us to move on. Sin is always there. It's the sin of unbelief right from the beginning. And he then went on to talk about when I go, I will send the counsellor. It's a lovely picture just to finish on here at the end of this chapter that he said, when the counsellor comes, whom I will send to you, he's from the Father. And he is the spirit of truth. So here we have the importance of truth coming in the importance of the revelation of Christ, that he has to go away. To go away, he has to fulfill the will of his father first. 
He had to die on the cross at Calvary. He had to bear our sin. He had to free us from the bondage of sin. And he went away, having come in through the gates of heaven, victorious to his Father, having fulfilled the will of the Godhead to the absolute degree. And then from that can, he can send the counselor, the spirit of truth. He comes and he enters into mankind and he is able, and he's able to see the triune Godhead at work here. I will send from the Father him who bears witness of me, who is the spirit of truth. And in that, we have no excuse. As we go through, and the spirit of truth is a witness of Christ, and we who are abiding in the vine, we are bearing the fruit of Christ because we have been given life eternal, free from this world, able to produce the beauties of Christ. That's, a, that's our privilege. That's what we've been called to. That's what we've been abiding in and appointed for. We've been appointed for that purpose, to be like Christ, to be bearers of the fruit of the person of Christ. And so our prayer is that together that we continue to let the Holy Spirit work within us in the study of God's word, which is the living word that became flesh, who now, as you read in, in Revelation, is knocking at our door. He's somebody we need to abide in, who needs to abide in us. He needs to give us the sustenance in order to produce the fruit. And the Holy Spirit within us, uh, he gives us all things. There is nothing hidden from us that, as the Lord Jesus said, he reveals to us from the Father. And the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us. We've got it all. And so we should rejoice together in that. Rejoice of what we have been given and just continue every day to say thank you for our salvation.